Good morning, dads. Are there any fathers in the house today? I see quite a few, that's awesome. I wanna ask all the fathers if they would stand right now. We wanna honor you this morning. I think, you know, I don't think we, I don't think we give dads enough credit in society these days, wouldn't you agree? Come on, like we don't, we really don't. First of all, happy Father's Day to my, my husband, my wonderful baby daddy. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, and he's not just a father of my children, but he's a father of this house. And so we honor you today. You, um, you father so well and um, so, so grateful for you. But I wanna, I wanna talk about all of you dads. Just keep standing. I know you're feeling really uncomfortable right now. That's my goal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we, we are just so grateful for you. And I just wanna take a moment and pray over all of you and just encourage you and just honor you. First of all, for being in the house of God, for leading your families by being in the house of God. That's huge, so huge. And we can't take that for granted because you lead so beautifully your families and, and just being here speaks volumes. And so we wanna honor you today. If you all would stretch your hands towards the fathers that are close to you, we wanna just pray in agreement over them right now. So Father, we just lift up to you, Heavenly Father, every father in this house, God. First of all, we are so grateful for them, God, because they are not just fathers of their families, they are fathers in this house. And God, you wanna do so much more inside of them. Lord, so we just call that forth. God, we just declare that, that every man in this house, Lord, will trust you like Abraham did. God, that every man in this house will worship like David. Father, that they will come face to face with you like Moses and sometimes wrestle with you like Jacob. God, we just pray that you would just continue to lead them and guide them into all truth, Father, as they lead their families, God that their hearts would just be at one with you, God, that you would just draw them close and encourage them, Father, in a world where sometimes fatherhood and being a husband is just kind of downplayed and, and not really celebrated. God, we celebrate it today because we know and we see how important it is to have godly men in our lives. And so, Father, we just encourage them. We ask you to bless them abundantly, Father, more than, more than they could even imagine God, we just ask you to, to just bless them and pour your favor over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Let's give them a hand. We have awesome, awesome fathers in this house, and I'm so grateful personally for that. So we are in a series um, right now called Enemies and Allies, and the title of my message today is Home Sweet Home. Now, I know it's Father's Day, and you might be here thinking, oh, it's going to be a message all geared towards fathers, but I just have to tell you, this message is for everybody today. It's for everybody. It's for the fathers. It's for the mothers. It's for the children. It's for those that are single, those that are married. It's for everybody. And so I'm, I'm excited to share this with you. When I was praying and asking God what he wanted me to share, he gave me a specific verse that we're going to cover today. But I want to talk about the responsibility and what that looks like 
um, in the home, our responsibility and what that looks like. You know, when I looked up the word home in the dictionary, it said the place where one's domestic affections are centered. And I thought, hmm, that's really good. You know, in, in this season that we've come out of, of COVID, we just hear about so much abuse and so much domestic violence that's happening as people have had to stay home and deal with their stuff, right? It's easier sometimes to go to work and just not face what's going on at home. But when it's right there day in and day out, you have to, you have to look at it. It's just right there in your face. And so the enemy has been after our home since the beginning, right? We all know that. Since the beginning of Adam and Eve, he has been after our homes because family is so important to God. The home is so important to him. And unfortunately, because sin entered the world, we live in a broken world. It's broken. You know, we, we hear sometimes, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, I, I try to do things right. I try to live right. I try to um, follow what God is asking me to do. But why do bad things happen to good people? Why can't I get a break? You know, you hear that sometimes. I know as, as pastors, we hear that from people sometimes. Why, why did God let this happen? And I just have to tell you that it's because of the world we live in. It's the broken world that we live in. It's not ever God behind the bad in your life. And I, I just want us to get that settled in our hearts once and for all. Because I think sometimes we try so hard to convince ourselves that God is good. I know I've, I've been there. When things aren't exactly going the way I think they should, when God didn't answer my prayer like I think he should, I start questioning, is God good? And I've been thinking a lot about that lately and a lot about my thoughts and my words. And I have to tell you that he brought me back to the cross. He took me back to the cross. And he took me back to how I felt when he saved me, when I accepted him into my heart and life. And he asked me this question. He said, Carrie, if I never blessed you again, if I never answered one more prayer again, would what I've done be enough? Would what I've already done be enough? And I was like, yeah, it's supposed to be. It should be. But somewhere along my walk, somewhere in my journey, I became entitled. You know why? Because God spoiled me. He spoiled my socks off. And then when it wasn't going my way, I got mad at him. I got so angry at times because he wasn't doing what I thought he should be doing. <laughs> but he's God and I'm not. And so I had to go back to the cross and I had to remember that he saved me. He died a brutal death in my devotions the last month. It's been kind of hard because He's been taking me back to the cross. And in detail, I've been seeing what he endured. 
And I think sometimes some of us need to go back to the cross. Because once we go back to the cross, we realize we don't deserve anything. I'm undeserving of any more blessings in my life. I'm undeserving of any more answered prayers in my life. What he's already done is enough. What he's already endured in my life is enough. We have to go back and get to that place where we understand that salvation is so miraculous in itself. And he doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> in fact, we owe him everything, if we're being honest. I owe him my whole life. I owe him everything. If not another good thing happens to me in my life, it should be enough. It should be enough. And so I just, I just want us to change our mindset because we're spoiled. I think we're all spoiled. You know, um, Enemies and Allies is the series that we're in. God is not your enemy. God is not your enemy. He is not my enemy. He is not your enemy. He is your ally. He has been from the very beginning and he will continue to be. And the, the point is, is we can say all day long that if he never does another good thing, it's enough, but he will. He will do a lot of good things for you because he is a good daddy. He is such a good daddy. And even though we're undeserving, he's going to do such amazing things for us in our lives if we allow him to. And so today, let's remember that God is not our enemy. We have an enemy, Satan. Satan is the enemy of the family. And you know, he doesn't waste any time. You know, right from the beginning, if he can, if he can abort you, he will. If he could miscarry you, he would. You know, if he could abuse you, he will figure out a way. If he can use you to abuse someone, oh, he will do it. If he can confuse your identity, and he's gotten really good at that. If he can confuse your identity, he will. He starts early. He starts so early. Why? Because he wants to confuse you as to who your father is. He doesn't want you to know he's good. He doesn't want you to know he's good. So when you start questioning if God is good, that is not a godly thought. It is not. He is the one who is I am, your true father, all-powerful, all-loving ally. He is a gracious, loving ally. But today, one of the ways I want to talk about, one of the ways that the enemy comes in and he disrupts our family is through our words. You know, words are both our enemy and ally. You can use words to speak life, and you can use words to speak death, and we do this. We do this regularly, right? Yeah. So I want to pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for this awesome opportunity, Lord, to just speak and hear from you, God. I just pray, Father, that you would just fill my mouth with your words today, Lord. God, that um, everything that comes out of my mouth would be straight from heaven, Lord. And I just right now bind the enemy from any confusion in this room. I just bind the enemy from twisting my words. Father, I just pray, God, that you would just give me the words to speak your truth in love, Father. 
Help me to speak your truth in love today. And God, let me portray your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text for today is Proverbs 18, 21. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Words are both our enemy and ally. Wow. The tongue is powerful. The most potent weapon in the world. You know, there's this old children's rhyme, and I can very vividly remember probably, I don't know, somewhere between eight and 10 years old, I can remember exactly where I was standing in the state of Michigan um, with some kids that were bothering me. And I can remember yelling back at them, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I was trying to convince myself of that because (laughs) the truth is what they were saying was hurting me pretty badly. And this rhyme is not accurate. And, you know, I was looking at this children's rhyme, and I thought, gosh, you know, so many, there's not probably anybody that hasn't heard that rhyme. We recite it, we say it, and there's no truth in it, none whatsoever. And so I was really curious about it, and I looked it up, and it's been being said since the 1840s. Isn't that crazy? And I thought, you know what? It's nothing but a lie from the enemy, and that's why it's stuck around, you know, because there's no truth in it. There's no truth in it. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will definitely harm you. They will. You know, I've had opportunities over the years to speak life or death over myself in various situations. And um, one of those things that I was thinking about was um, something my mom would do with us kids whenever um, we were complaining or we were hurt or... Um, we were sick, not feeling well. Have you ever noticed how well your body listens to you? What, to what comes out of your mouth? Have you, have you really just noticed that? I have. Um, one of the things my mom would do is we would, you know, not be feeling well, and we would say something to her, and she would say, repeat after me, body. And we would just look at her, and we'd go, Body. Line up with the word of God. <laughs> we would say, line up with the word of God. And, you know, it would be kind of annoying because, you know, we just had a headache. Just wanted a Tylenol. And she would have us go, body. And we were like, oh, my God. And so, but, you know, she was right. She was right. Because the Holy Spirit, the almighty living God lives inside of us. And so when you tell your body to do something, it's supposed to listen. It's supposed to line up with the word of God. And so over the years, it was kind of just a funny thing. And then my husband got a hold of it and he thought it was real funny. Whenever I had an ache or a pain or whatever, he'd go body. And I was just like, "Uh -uh. nope, don't do that. It's not okay. (laughs) Just was not okay. (laughs) But, you know, we laugh about it, but you know, she was, she was pretty, she was pretty right on. And I've never forgotten it, you know. But um, when my mom was in the hospital and nurses and doctors and people would come in to visit, all of us kids were really good about speaking life over her. You know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, God's word was being read over her, that worship music was playing, and, you know, that life was in that room. 
But I will tell you that not every nurse and doctor that was taking care of her was, was life-giving. And so, um, you know, it just got to where I, I would just ask, but let's step outside of the room, you know. Let's step outside of the room if we're going to talk and you want to. I, f- I felt like at times they were trying to convince me of something, you know, because like maybe I was in denial, but I wasn't in denial. I was operating my faith. I was believing God and speaking life regardless of what things look like. And that's what God is calling us to do. He's not calling us to deny what's going on. He's not calling you to say you're well when you're sick. He's just saying, what does the Bible say? By his stripes, I am healed. What does the Bible say? The Bible said he took that sickness and all of those diseases and he healed our bodies. And I want to stand on that and I want to believe that regardless of what the outcome is. You know, up until my mom took her last breath, we were believing we were holding on and we told her, we said, mom, we're going to believe with you till your last breath because we know that's what you'd want and that's what you would do. And so we did that and it was such a beautiful thing. And what's so amazing is that even though we might not have gotten the outcome we thought we wanted, the answered prayer the way we thought we wanted, what was so beautiful is there was so much faith and so much hope through the whole situation that it just kept our hearts filled, kept our hearts full, anticipating knowing what God could do, how it could be. And so I just want to encourage you with that today, to speak life in every situation, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of where things are headed. Just trust him in every, every situation. You know, just because it's true doesn't mean it should be said. You know you've done it. You've said something true, and everyone in the room kind of goes, and you go, what? It's true. Right? I mean, I know I have. I've been guilty of that many times. (laughs) Where everybody just kind of goes, I can't believe you just said that. And you're speaking truth. But just because it's true doesn't mean it should be said. The second half of that verse says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? Those who love it will eat its fruit. (laughs) When I was reading this, I was like, oh my gosh. Those who love it refer to those who are talkative. Any talkative people out there? People that love to talk. Really, I'm the only one. Come on. I know there are some talkative people. Amy, you better raise your hand. (laughs) Every single one of my siblings, every single one talks a lot, including myself. And it's really funny because I didn't, that was just normal for us growing up. And when people come over and all five of us are together, and you talk about the chatter going on in the room, like it is on and it is loud. It's not just talking, it's like loud and it gets louder and louder. My kids, um, whenever my mom, um, we, we gathered together after the funeral at my house. And it had been a while since all five of us were in the same place together. And my kids afterwards were like, oh my gosh. Like they were exhausted just from hearing all the communication. And it was just really funny because I just didn't, 
that's just normal to me growing up, you know, just completely normal. We all talk and we talk very passionately and very loudly. But I have to say over the years, from time to time, each one of us found ourselves in trouble with our mouths. Every single one of us at one time or another um, because of that. And so if you're one of those people that are very talkative, this verse will really help you. You know, I gave out Tabasco sauce, right, for Father's Day. Like Trey said, those little tiny Tabasco sauce um, bottles were given out. And so if you find yourself in a situation where you're having trouble taming your tongue, just take out that little Tabasco sauce. Ask your husband or your dad if you can borrow it and just put a little dot on your tongue. And if you do that enough times, you're not going to have any problems keeping your mouth quiet because your mouth's going to be so on fire. You're going to be like, nope, not doing that again. So yeah, you can just ask to borrow it. It's small enough. <laughs> you can carry it around with you if you need to, right? <laughs> Rarely does one who holds his tongue find himself eating his own words. But also, if you never talk, you may starve. You know, the goal is to speak the right words because words create worlds. Words create worlds. You know, negative words begin to form who we are not. And we live up to them. You know, we hear words our whole life, and sometimes they're meant to be endearing, right? In our families, we, they, people come up with nicknames and all kinds of little pet names that, you know, might describe you in some kind of way, but they end up hurting us sometimes in the long run. Words that are said over us are powerful. And we, we many times live up to the names that other people give us. In my home, um, when, when my kids were really young, we still say it from time to time. We probably need to say it a little bit more right now. But when, when they were younger, we would say, home is a safe place. This is a safe place. Out there, someone's going to tear you down. Someone's going to make you feel this small. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to say things about you. They're going to mistreat you. But home is a safe place. And so we would remind each other of that, and it would help us remember to always build each other up, always encourage each other. And we didn't always get it right, you know, because there are no perfect families. There are none. Um, because of the broken world, like I said, that we live in, no family is perfect. So this was a great reminder to us, and we still... We still remind each other daily, home is a safe place, you know, when teasing goes a little too far. But what about the names that you give yourself? You know, sometimes the names that we give ourselves are far worse than the names that other people have put over us. And I think this is because sometimes we don't know who we are, and we still don't quite know who our daddy is. You know, I can't imagine the pain of not knowing who I am. And I can't imagine the pain of rejecting who God has said I am. But there are many, many, many struggling with their identity, not knowing who they are, not embracing who God has created them to be. Do you remember middle school? <laughs> yeah, I heard, uh, that's me. 
like when I think back to middle, I went to this school in downtown Austin, Fulmore Junior High. Like it was, it looked like a penitentiary. It still does. It still does. But I can remember just feeling like I was in this little bubble. Nobody could get in. Nobody, I couldn't get out. Um, I just felt so invisible, so alone, so insecure, didn't know who I was. And some of that is just normal for that age, right? During that time in your life, those are just really normal feelings. You're trying to figure out your place in the world. All of a sudden, you become very self-conscious. And I remember feeling that way. But I also remember, um, as a middle school teacher, watching students in that stage of life and being horrified at times because um, there was this game that students would play and they, would, they were talking to me about it, making me aware of it, where they were role playing. And little Susie would be married to Mark. Mark would have mistress over here named Judy and little Susie would have a partner named Mary and they would have three kids and they would role play all these scenarios. And it was like throughout the whole school, like throughout the whole school. Oh, so-and-so is my girlfriend, but I'm married to Jack. And I was just like, oh my God. And they were role playing all of these family roles that were so outside of the design of what God orchestrated for family to look like. And he has orchestrated what family should look like in the Bible. If you don't know, because the world tries to tell us what that should look like. And I have to tell you that he's very clear, very, very clear about what family looks like in the Bible. And so if you don't know, you need to get in the word because we have to teach our children what is right, what the right family unit looks like. And we have to love everyone through it because identity is becoming such an important thing in our world that is getting so skewed. And so it's important that we love people through that and we lead them back to the cross. You know, God wasn't confused when he made you. If you're not happy with the design, you have to know that Psalms 139.13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Your parents didn't make you. Your parents didn't create you. They were simply the vehicle that God used to get you here. That's it. They were just the vehicle. So if you're not happy with mom and dad, that's okay. Because understand that God is your ultimate father. He's the one that created you. And yes, you may not be happy with the vehicle that he used to get you here, but God can walk you through that and he can bring healing to your life and he can help you see who your real father is if you'll let him. Psalms 139.14 said, you were fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are his works. There are no accidents. You know, you may have heard your whole life, oops, you were an oops, or you were a surprise. <laughs> and we don't mean anything really bad by that as parents, right? But over time, if you feel like the oops all the time, 
what is that really saying? You know, there are no oops with Jesus. He's the creator. He makes no oops. He makes no mistakes. And he says what he made is marvelous. Who are we to change it? Who are we to change it? You are marvelous. You know, there is only one creator, and that is God. The one who has the authority to choose is the one who created. I can choose to make an apple pie. And while it's in the oven, it can't decide to be a peach cobbler. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. He is not a God of confusion. And I just have to tell you today, if you are confused, like your identity is just mixed up and you don't know who you are, that is okay. That is okay because God knows. He created you. He formed you. He knit you. He made you. He loves you even in all that mess. He loves you just the way you are. And he wants to show you who he is. Because as you recognize and know who he is, healing will come to your heart. And you will become whole. And you will become complete in a way like you've never been before. He is a God that restores. You know, if you stay in that confusion, it will hinder every part of your life. And you won't be effective in the kingdom of God. And that's what the enemy wants. That's why there is confusion in the world. That's why he attacks our identity so very much. Because he doesn't want us whole and complete. He doesn't want us to know who we are in Christ. I want to look at another verse in the Bible that shows the importance of our words. And that's Proverbs 20, 20. It says, Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Ouch. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. His lamp, that means his life. Obscure darkness, what does that mean? His, his life shall be put out in obscure darkness. That means no one will know his name. He won't be of any importance. He won't find comfort or happiness in life. He will just be simply existing. And so how do we prevent this from happening, right? We see in the world today a lot of cursing of parents, a lot of cursing of each other, a lot of just, you know, blaming and pointing the finger. So how do we prevent this from happening? The first thing is that we have to live what we say we believe. By living moral, responsible lives in front of our children. We can't say that we are believers and then live like the world in front of them. They see right through it. We can't preach, do as I say, not as I do. Because I can guarantee you they're going to do as you do and even further than you do. So it's really important that we think about what we do in front of them. Because they will take it further. When parents are irresponsible, immoral, uninterested in caring for their children, it will provoke them to curse their parents. The second thing is discipline. Parents should not allow children to disrespect them. You know, have you ever um, seen a situation? Um, you may have even done it. I know when Trey and I first got married, I, 
first of all, I think they should make you go through some amazing training before you have kids because Lord knows we had to read a thousand books um, to figure out what the heck we were doing wrong and even books that helped us understand that, oh, we're doing a few things right, you know, because parenting is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do and the most rewarding, right? If, if you ask God for wisdom, you ask him for help. If you're not doing those things, then yeah, it's, it's hell. Without Jesus, it can be horrible. So um, I remember when Micah and Michaela were itty-bitty, there was this overwhelming feeling in the world of don't discipline your kids in public. If you do, they're going to get taken away from you. I don't know if anybody in my age group remembers that, but it was such an overwhelming thing where you had to be really careful what you said to your kids, how you looked at your kids, if you touched your kids. Like, it was just, they're going to get taken. You better be careful. And so we got really, really wise. And we had this thing where, I think Trey has said this before, but we were in, if we were at the store and, and one of our kids was acting out, it was usually Micah. Because um, Michaela, you could just look at her and then she would, you know, but Micah was a little more strong-willed. Um, we would just lean over and go, when we get home. And um, they would know, when you, when you get home, you, uh, it is on. You're in trouble. Because, you know, we had to be careful in public. We didn't want our kids taken from us. And uh, I don't care anymore, so I'm telling you this. Because if you want Tristan, you can have him. You will bring him back. He talks a lot. A lot. No, but my kids are grown, so, like, I honestly don't care anymore. <laughs> you can have my grown adult children. Please. Take them all. No, I'm just kidding. I love them. They're amazing. But... <laughs> Adult kids are a whole nother breed. I just, they, they just really are. Um, they really are. And you think that when they're little, it's painful? Just wait till they grow up. And they move away, and they do all these things that they are allowed to do because you can't make them not. And you're like, Jesus, help me, God. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting off on a tangent. I did, that's not even in my notes. But... Anyway, um, where was I? So Micah, we, we, we leaned down, and Trey and I were both there to witness this, and we said, when we get home. And all of a sudden, he threw himself on the ground and started screaming, don't beat me, don't beat me, don't beat me. And we were like, oh my God. And we wanted to beat him so bad in that moment. Oh my God. We just wanted to beat him so bad. We were just so embarrassed and mortified. And... Um, Oh, you can bet he got it when he got home. He never did that again. But at that point, we didn't care either. We were like, if they want to come get you, they can come get you because you deserve to be gotten now. <laughs> like, you deserve to be taken. But, but anyway, so... <laughs> um, yeah, discipline your kids. It's important. I have great kids. I really have great kids. And... And that's because we didn't hold back from disciplining them in love, guys. We disciplined them in love. Um, the third thing is by not allowing the government and society to belittle parenting. I felt that 
at that age, you know, with Micah being so young and little that the government was just hovering, waiting to just take my kids if I didn't do it right. You know, if I spanked my children. And yes, we spanked our kids and we believe in spanking because the Bible talks about that too. It does. There's a right way to do it. And, and the Bible is very clear on how to do that. Um, when the government passes laws that exempt the child from answering to his parents, we will see cursing of the parents, which therefore leads to cursed children. Did you know that it is easier for an underage child to get an abortion without parental consent than it is for them to go and get a tattoo? That saddens me. Like, that just breaks my heart. Michaela had a teacher in um, middle school, at the very school that I was teaching at, and she was not a believer. She was a professed atheist. She did not believe in God. Great lady, wonderful lady, loved her as a person, but recognized that she was lost. And she was one of Michaela's teachers, and she was so intrigued by Michaela's good behavior. Like, she just couldn't get over it. And so she would in front of Michaela's classmates, call her out and say, Michaela, it's okay if you curse and you're bad in here. I'm not going to tell your mom. And it would embarrass Michaela, like just extremely, to be called out like that and given permission to be inappropriate in class. And, you know, so Michaela came and talked to me about that, and she was just really feeling just pressured to do wrong. And I, I, in thinking about that, I wonder how many of us really know what's going on at school, you know, in the classroom, what's being taught to our kids. Because I can tell you, teachers have a lot of opportunity to place their convictions on your kids. A lot. And I know because I was a teacher in the public school system. And I was a Christian, and they all knew it. And so when you're not, they all know it. And when you're not living right, they all know it. Because kids are like sponges. They absorb everything. And so it's really important as parents that we teach the truth about who their father is. That we teach them the truth about who they are. Who God says that they are. Not what society says they are or should be. Not what... Um, government thinks they should or shouldn't be. None of that is relevant. What's important is what the Word of God says. What does the Word of God say about who you are? What does it say about how he made you? That's important, and we've got to teach our kids that. Point number three, words are windows. Words are windows. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Words are important. They are valuable. They are powerful. Words are windows to our heart. Our words reveal what's really going on inside of us. I, I know what's going on in my heart by what's coming out of my mouth. That's always an indicator for me. 
And I know if I need to spend a little more time with Jesus. I know if there's some forgiveness that needs to happen. I know if there's some repentance on my part that needs to happen, all by what's coming out of my mouth. You know, today, some of us may be trying to harness our words. Have you ever found yourself in that place where you're trying to just hold them in, not say something inappropriately, and you're just harnessing them, holding them. If you find yourself striving to do that, it's because you need to look through the window. It's not the words you need to focus on, it's your heart. It's your heart that you need to focus on. You need to say, what's going on here? Why am I feeling this, oh, this aggression, this um, aggravation? What's going on in my heart? We have to surrender our hearts. More than ever before in my life, guys, more than ever before in my life, I want to love well. I want to love unconditionally. I want to forgive and I want to repent. Those three words I just keep right now, just in my thoughts at all times, love, forgive, and repent. And what I mean by loving unconditionally, I'm not saying, oh, it's okay, you do you, boo. It's okay. That's not loving unconditionally. The world's got it wrong. Loving unconditionally is saying, I love you, regardless if you choose the right road or the wrong road, but I'm still gonna point you to the right one. I'm gonna show you there is a right way. There is the right way in God's word to go. And even if you reject it, even if you reject it, I'm still gonna love you. I'm still gonna love you, but I am gonna speak truth to you because I love you. I am going to show you the right way. That's what loving unconditionally is. I wanna forgive, especially when it's raw and it's painful. I wanna teach my kids to do that. Right in the moment of their deepest hurt and pain, I wanna teach them to forgive because I want them to be better and not bitter. We have a lot of bitter people running around, a lot of bitter people, a lot of good, godly, bitter people because we're not dealing with what's in here. We're not taking care of what's in here. We're not forgiving. We're expecting everyone else to fix what's in here. And everyone else can't. Only God can. He's the only one that can fix what's in here. And so we got to take our hearts to him. We have to forgive. Daily forgive. You know, I, I repent more than I've ever repented before in my life. I think because these things have just become so real to me and I want to walk in peace. I'm walking in peace more than I ever have in my life. But it's because I'm focusing on these three things, to love unconditionally, to forgive, and to repent. And by repent, I don't mean to say I'm sorry. Repenting is I'm going down this one road and it's not really God's best for me. And now I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk this way instead with Jesus. That's what repenting is. I'm sorry is good too. We need the I'm sorry's. But repenting takes it a little further. It doesn't keep saying I'm sorry and keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Repenting says, ah, I was doing this. 
It wasn't working for me. So now I'm going to walk the other direction. And I'm asking Jesus to help me continue on the right road. Some of us need to repent for our words today. I want to speak life in the heat of the moment. I want to, I want to, like Jesus had a way with his words. I want to be like that. I want to have a way with my words like Jesus did. I don't want to react at the same level that someone else has when they've hurt me or they've said something that upset me. I don't want to react at the same level. I want to, I want to take it up a notch and respond like Jesus would and bring healing to the moment. I really want that. More than ever, I want to talk like him. I want to think like him. I want to walk like him. I want to be better. I want to be better. Not just for others, but for myself. You know, some of us need to repent of even the words we've spoken over ourselves. Because that's not who God says you are. Some of us need to say, I'm sorry, God. You created me. And you said I was wonderful and beautiful and fearfully made. And I've been rejecting who you say I am, and you're my daddy. You made me, and I'm beautiful. And some of us need to repent for that and say, God, I'm sorry. What you made is good. Like you said, I'm good. Help me to see that. And the Holy Spirit will. He'll help you to see that. He'll reveal that to your heart. Some of us need to repent. We need to renounce the words of death that we've spoken over our family members, over ourselves, and replace them with the words that the Holy Spirit gives us. And sometimes that's hard, right? When you're dealing with a difficult person, sometimes it's hard to really see the good. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that can give us eyes to see. He can give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that. God, I'm having a hard time seeing the good in this, but I know you do. Because he pulls out the good in all of us. He pulls out the good, the gold in every single one of us. What I love about God is that he calls us who we should be, not who we are. How I wish we could all do that with each other. Call out who we should be, not who we are. Not what our behavior reflects, but who we should be. You know, I think today as we close that this is just a great opportunity on Father's Day. It's just to ask our Heavenly Father to look inside the windows of our heart and to show us maybe some words, some things that we've said that we might need to say I'm sorry for. I know as a parent, um, especially early on when we were parents, that was hard to do, say I'm sorry to your kids. Maybe not for you, but for me, I remember thinking, I'm supposed to know all things and be all things and, and I'm their leader. How can I, I'm not supposed to do anything wrong or make mistakes, but 
God knows as parents, we make a lot of them. And those I'm sorry's are powerful in our kids' lives. So powerful in their lives. When we can, when we can say, hey, have I, have I said something to you that hurt you in the past? Have I ever, have I ever said something that maybe just keeps ringing in your ears? Because if I have, I, w- I want to ask your forgiveness. I'm so sorry. I should have never done that. That's powerful. It doesn't make you weak as a parent. It actually makes you very powerful and big in their eyes. And it teaches them the importance of forgiveness and those I'm sorry's and how important relationships are and our words. And so today I thought we could just take a moment and just pray and ask God to just show us some areas where maybe we could be better, right? Some of us might need to ask for forgiveness. Some of us might need to repent. Whatever it is, let's just take a moment and do that if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, I just pray, God, that you would just touch everyone here today, Lord. Father, that more than ever, they would know who they are, who they are as a son and daughter of the Most High King, a son and daughter of the ultimate Father, the loving Father that you are, God. I just pray, Father, that you would just reveal yourself to them in such a personal way today. God, that if they don't know you, they will take a moment to just invite you into their life, into their heart, that they will accept who you've created them to be, that they will accept you as the creator. And Father, if there are words that we've spoken over ourselves, Lord, we just right now, we renounce those words. Whatever they might be, God, we renounce those words that we've spoken over ourselves. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would replace them with truth right now. God, whatever those words might be, Father. If the word is less than, replace it with more than, because we are more than conquerors in Jesus. Father, whatever those words might be, just give them the right words to replace who you say that they are. And God, if we have... um, said things to others, Father, that are not life-giving. God, I just pray that you would forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, God, for the times that we have missed it, that we haven't seen with your eyes, that we haven't heard what you're saying about someone with, with your ears. Father, I just pray, God, right now in Jesus' name that you would forgive us. Holy Spirit, come and reveal those things to us, God, so we can make things right in our heart. Reveal the truth of your word to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.